Yum nub. Eat out the yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yobcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name's Jamie and I burned my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. And my name is Matt. No one's ever really gone. <laughs> I was actually thinking about using that one or one similar to it. Yeah, I couldn't decide. Um, I love your quote. I, I love Luthen as a character. He's, he might be my favorite Andor character um, in like an like a top ten Star Wars character for me, honestly. Um, but I, I really just wanted to do sort of like a the tease of this episode sort of quote. And the no one's ever really gone thing is what I landed on. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope that. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that it's already passed, but. I really hope like whoever wrote that or maybe uh, still in Skarsgård gets nominated because he was he delivered that just with such like fury at the end. But just just the way he explained it, it was just like, oh, shit, it was. Yeah, it's such good. There's there's so many good speeches in that or monologues in that show. Yeah, I just quickly Googled and or Emmy nods and I didn't see anything for Skarsgård, but I, I, it's not. I didn't do an, uh, a thorough search, but I can't imagine for for my for my for what it's worth, my view of it is perfect. His, mm-hmm. his betrayal of like the sort of psychopathic behind the scenes guy is fucking perfect. Yeah, where he um, where um, I don't have uh, hope for him living past season two, but fact that there is just somebody just behind the scenes who just was just doing all the really really shitty work to get the rebellion going yeah i don't know we we have no clue as to what his outcome is except that he's not present in anything in the future so presumably he he probably has like his own burn plan right like if he gets burned like he he releases everything to whatever weird network of financiers and launderers he has set up to keep everything going past his life. And I really, I know they're filming it right now. I'm Andor is one of these things I'm looking forward to almost more than anything. Um, but um, that's enough about the quotes for a second. I think we can talk, keep talking about Andor, but I do want to t- tell everyone that today we're covering plan 99 from bad batch which is the final episode of season two. We did it, Jamie. We're yep. at the end of season two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Only only like two months late, but that's pretty good for us. Yes. Considering that we started this podcast covering something that was re- released in the 70s. So yeah. <laughs> that's pretty pretty good average for us. It just drives mm-hmm. our average up, not down. We're just super important people with super important jobs, or well, at least you are. Um, and so we just uh, can't always be there. Can't be bothered to keep a schedule. I think that's the best way, best, best, yeah. best way to put now, it. Now, if we were getting paid, hint, hint, hint. Uh, I'm yeah, hinting. From, from my experience, if you pay me money, I will do anything. <laughs> yeah, me too. Or, or at least I, <laughs> I, I used to. I, I kind of got some decency and stopped doing stuff like that. Not, I, not me. I'm a whore. No. I mean, I mean, as far as like, like dare me to drink this pitcher of beer. Uh, um, I don't think any money was involved in that. Just pride. Yeah, just just both really drunk and just decided that this sounds like a great idea. But yeah, I've I've jumped in like ice cold swimming pools like uh, during the winter for money, stuff like that. Well, before we go on to the to the show proper, I did text you earlier today and warn you that I was going to make a tiki drink. Yes. So I'm going to do the tiki room thing just for a few minutes, just for a minute. In the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room, all the birds sing work and the flowers croon. In the tiki 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 room. So I also texted you my wife was tripping on mushrooms in the basement. Um, <laughs> but a aside from that, um, I made all of her friends who came over to watch a movie tonight um, pina coladas. Um, if you like pina coladas. That's enough so, music. So, That's enough musical cues. So are you? If if you go to a bar and she shows up and you're like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" 
Yeah, that 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 song is about a guy trying to step out on his wife and accidentally picking up his wife, who's <laughs> yeah. stepping out on him. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, that would be that would be fun, funny. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like a shitty it's like a shitty modern romance, I guess. You know, like that guy's like a weirdo. The guy that wrote that song, but no, no, I uh, it was Tiki. This tiki room bit that I sometimes deploy, I just make a drink, put it in my Star Wars tiki glass, and talk about it. Pina coladas are actually very easy, um, but I did break out the blender to do it. I'm sitting here with a the blender pitcher with a little bit of pina colada left in it. It is basically coconut, pineapple, and rum, and some ice. And I made a huge batch of it tonight, I served it in... All of the Star Wars Tiki glasses for my wife, and I kept Chewy for myself. I made a second batch because I wanted a second batch, and I got the leftovers, which is significant. Cool. So yeah, I, I will I will pound this. Yeah, and I am not drinking because I tied one on last night at a, our neighbor's graduation party. Uh, they had a margarita machine, so I had like four plus a couple beers. There is there is no margar there is no such thing as a margarita machine that I have encountered that didn't regret the encounter. So I applaud you for being vertical today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I, uh, I slowed down and then I did a uh, ton of stuff in the in the uh, sun earlier, um, just like running and then like doing yard work. So I burned it all out of my system. Have you ever made that mistake that? drunk idiots make where they get lime juice on their hands and then get a sunburn no yeah you can get a really severe burn if you do that so here's your drunk science for the week everybody yeah <laughs> don't cut limes and then get a sunburn wash your fucking hands what does the does like the the sun like do something to the acid in the I lime juice i don't know the exact mechanism but i know it fucking hurts yeah. um just google citrus sunburn sometime because it is gross. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I just Google it real quick. And it says chemicals in the skin of the lemons slash limes can react with the sunlight and lead to painful burns or rashes. It apparently is person to person specific. This is a legitimate website. But if yeah, so lemons and limes can lead can lead to severe sunburns. Yeah. Just um, like that PC Boy song said. There's a Beastie Boy song? No. Fight to lime, lime to lemon. Never mind. I'll it, drop it. I'll drop the clip in. <laughs> it is phyto, phytophotodermatitis. Phyto meaning plant, photo meaning light. Plant, light, dermatitis. So inflammation of the skin. Yeah, it happens. Like, don't fucking get margarita mix on your hands and then fall asleep in a lawn chair. Yeah. Um, in your region, you will wake up with a the worst sunburn of your life. Which, there's your science for the week, everybody. Yeah. Okay, on to the dick and fart jokes. On to the dick and fart jokes. Did you do any Star Wars this week? I did. I've been playing. Uh, the uh, The kids finished up school, so they were at the in-laws for a few days. So I've been playing Jedi Survivor like a madman. And I don't even really know how far I am. I think... I'm to a point in the game where I can't like 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 in the first game you could like bounce around planets. I think I've crossed the threshold where I can't do that anymore. So now you're on rails. You're on you're on the plot rails of the of the game where it's like you have to go to this planet next. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're yeah. probably pretty far then. Yeah, there's it's it is such a great game, and there are there are a lot of hard bosses, and then there's some that are just like like this. It's, it must be a joke. I, I won't say it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it was just like that was it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. I'm just stuck right now. Uh, again, the boss I can't beat. But um, yeah, that's all I did. I I did rewatch the end of Rogue One because I I tend to do that because I just love the the, the Battle of Scarif. And we talked but, about uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I sort of it, baited it, you into it. But the main thing was, is like, I wanted to like, we, uh, we had discussed like whose death in Rogue One, like, like kind of like was the saddest or hurt the most for you. And I watched it and then like, I sent you a message saying like how each of them kind of like hurt on their own. 
uh, and I kind of noticed stuff that I didn't really notice before. But it was, yeah, it's still a great movie, and, and I, I still, Bays and Churret dying is probably my um, the thing that hurts most, and then followed by um, Jin and Cassian. Yeah, I would agree with that that lineup. I think when I watched it for the first time, they killed K2 first. It's like, oh, why'd you kill the comedic relief? They're like, oh, then you killed Chirrut. It's like, oh, they're all going to die. Yeah. Like, you, you really did do Dirty Dozen in space. So if you haven't, dear listener, if you haven't seen Dirty Dozen, just watch Dirty Dozen. It's amazing. Hard to beat as a war movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. it's just and, it's just such a good construct, and the end of that movie is is heartbreaking and perfect in a heartbreaking way, and I think it really it really resonates. And I know people criticize that they didn't all have to die, but don't care, don't care. It it worked. Yeah, no, it it I think it makes it better that they died. It um, because that was the because that was the level of that that was the level of like need to get it done that like they like at a, at a certain point they realized they weren't getting off like when Baze sees the, the the shuttle explode when when Cassian and Jin are like yeah we're trapped here but we can send it out like they they knew they signed up for a one-way ticket right and it's also it also it's it's shifting expectations right it's like it's like their plan was we're going to get there get in and get out they're like, well, you can't get out because they closed the shield gate. And all this other shit is happening. Then it's like, well, now the mission is we have to get the information out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like it's a type of practicality that it's hard to um it's hard to fault. Yeah. Right. It's well, just competence porn as far as I'm well, concerned. Well yeah, well it goes back to like what she says, um, before they leave. They said she said that Sagrera said that like a like a man with a sharp stick and nothing to lose can win the day. And they were the man with a sharp stick. They had everything to, or well, no, they, uh, they had nothing left to, it was such a desperate situation. Like they had nothing left to lose because they didn't. Yeah. It's, it's sorry, but it's, they don't have anything left to lose. Right. Because they, they assumed at some point during the mission that they were going to die. And so then the only thing they had left was to inflict harm. Mm hmm. And the only thing they could do to inflict the, the most harm they could inflict was like Bayes just took out as many as he could. Yeah, yeah, it's the um, yeah. I mean, the, what's considered victory or like the goalpost for them obviously changed, but they still won. Um, it's the like the uh, the SAS motto is he like it's like he who dares wins. Uh, they they gave they had nothing else to lose because they knew everything would be fucked if the Death Star. Was to just uh, wreak havoc over the um, over the galaxy. So they exactly. just they just did it. Like they just kept going and used that sharp stick to poke a little bit more, poke a little bit more, and eventually they won. But unfortunately, they died. But it makes them. It also makes them martyrs, which is like I like how in Alphabet Squadron, the one pilot, I didn't really care for her character, but she like she, she wanted to be Jin Erso. She had that hero worship of somebody who like put it all on the line. Yeah, that's a great callback. I I really need to. I've been trying to make my way through the Star Wars books I haven't finished, but I I really I had a hard time getting into Alphabet Squadron. But once I was into it, I loved it. I need to go back and do Alphabet Squadron again. Did you do any other Star Wars other than Fallen or Jedi Survivor? I've. I, I finished Cataclysm, but I think we talked about that the last recording. Yeah, we did mention you did say that you finished Cataclysm. So from from my from my side, I did finish Cataclysm, so I'm all caught up on that. Although I realized I haven't listened to the short young adult novel Planet X or Quest for Planet X or something, so I started that. Um, I started that and the Clone Wars cartoon movie novelization. There's a novelization for that um, by Beth Revis, I think. Really? I... It, yeah, and I started it, and I, I, I'm, it's a, it's a short one. It's about an eight-hour book, about an hour into it, and the thing that I can report to you is that um, Hero or Zero the Hut mm-hmm. 
is not voiced like Drum and Capote in the book. He sounds like Jabba. Ah. So, but it's it's very much a faithful adaptation. There's some details about Anakin in there that you don't get in the movie. Um, there's details about the Hut family so you don't get in the movie. But it's a pretty faithful adaptation, and it, it's just one of those things where it's like I'm trying to listen to all the adaptations, and I'm like, well, once I found out there was an adaptation of that movie, I was like, I have to do this. So I started that and Planet X this week. So um, my big news from a Star Wars point of view. Do you have any questions about those books? Sorry. No, no, I don't. Um, my big news from a Star Wars point of view this week is um, I've been in pursuit, and by the time this comes out, I'll have it. So I'm comfortable talking about it. But I've been in pursuit for a little bit for the Pepsi slash Blockbuster um, 1999 promotional material, full like life-size statues of the Phantom Menace characters. And while you can get the Yoda for relatively little money, several thousand dollars, or several hundred dollars, sorry, um, it's hard to find the others. The others pop up every now now and then, but like Darth Maul is maybe two to five thousand dollars when he pops up. And this is like a six foot statue of Darth Maul. Um, I found someone in on the East Coast who had the little boy Anakin with the stand. So it's like a like a four-foot Anakin standing on like a three-foot pile of rocks. So it's like almost seven feet tall altogether. Mm-hmm. And the Yoda that they were selling simultaneously. I was watching them on eBay, and I just sent them a message saying, like, will you sell me both like at a pretty significant discount? And the guy messaged me back, and he said, are you a collector? Or are you looking to like resell these? And I was like, I'm not. I'm not going to resell them. Like I'm. I would buy all five if he had all five. And he said, Yep. <laughs> Just some guys downsizing his collection. Right on. Yeah, that's. So yeah, it was. That, a, it was a nine-hour drive to go get them. But I was talking with him today, and this weekend, this upcoming weekend, it's Sunday. We normally record on Sundays. But next Friday and Saturday, he's going to be three hours away. On And so next Saturday, I'm driving three hours south from D.C. and meeting this person. And he's going to sell me these things um, three hours south of here. So my wife and I are just making making a little trip out of it. So we have a babysitter and a dog sitter. We're just going to drive down to North Carolina, pick up these things, and go to a nice restaurant and hotel and come back on Sunday. Ah, so on on by our recording time next week, I should have a life-sized Yoda and a life-sized Anakin in the basement, and he's got like his pod racing helmet on with like goggles and everything. Man, I'm pretty that excited. Is, that is so wizard. So wizard. I'm very <laughs> excited. So so the five statues that exist from this, and each here's the other thing I found out. I've been researching them. They only made 500 of each. Um, and these things came out in 1999, so they're already almost 25 years old. But um, there are five. There's Maul, Anakin, Yoda, Watto, and Jar Jar. And just because it, it's me, right, um, I started looking for the others. And someone has a Jar Jar in West Virginia that they want to sell. And it is a six-hour drive, and I am... I probably won't do it, but I'm considering it. I don't do think have... I don't think it fits in the car. That's what I was just gonna say. Are you gonna put it on like the roof of your car, like the, like the, uh, like the, uh, like Aunt Edna in uh, Vacation, and just like, just pass by people and be like, that guy's got a Jar Jar Binks on his, <laughs> on, his on the roof of his car. The problem, the, like the Anakin, the Anakin is like four feet tall, and he detaches from his base. The Yoda is like two and a half or three feet tall or something. Um, the Jar Jar is seven feet tall with his base. And I don't know if he disassembles. And I messaged the woman just to make sure that she was serious and she had it. She sent me a new photo of it. And I'm like, like, she doesn't want very much for it. Cause I think it's probably, she, she actually runs like an antique store and I think it's probably just an eyesore to her. And I'm like, ah, I don't really want to buy something that's going to hang out the back of the trunk, like back of the hatch. Well, can, can you? Can you rent like a Home Depot truck 
for but for a seven hour drive, like that's a lot to be in like a foreign car. Like I I, I actually have not measured out the dimensions of the car because she's like she's like if it's in my SUV, I was like really because when I looked it up online, the dimensions were like it is eighty something inches long, which would be like it's like six six point eight feet long. Um, do like, do it any of your might fit? It do might. any of your cars have uh, towing ability? I only have one. Well, I have the antique car that you probably can reason does not have towing ability since it's a Volkswagen from the 70s. Um, it's also not street legal currently. Um, <laughs> and then the other one, I, I suppose it does. Let's say rent a rent a little trailer and just toss them on there. Yeah, or else just put some roller skates on him and then just get some par- tie some paracord to him. And if it's mainly highway, bro, well, let's just tow him behind. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do that the second <laughs> for sure. Anyway, everyone monitor our Twitter feed. By the time this comes out in a couple weeks, um, I should have it and it'll be on Twitter. Everyone can be baffled by the passage of time. We record these things a couple weeks yeah. out. Yeah, I, I remember when um, episode five came out. Um, a mutual friend of ours uh, lived in Japan. Five? Sorry, did I say episode? I, I'm thinking 2005 when episode three came out. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and she sent pictures of like these humongous like banners in the Japanese theaters. They're they're like so rad, and I would love to like have one. It's like, can you steal one? It's like. Like no, I'll get kicked out of the country. <laughs> they, they don't. They don't fuck around with that sort of stuff in Japan. I think she could have gotten one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know who we're talking about. I think she could have gotten one, but mm-hmm. and gotten away with it. But whatever. Um, other than that, other than my Star Wars purchase, we have not started um, Jedi Survivor in the house because the kids are playing Zelda, which is fine with me. But my kids are still in school, so they have a long summer ahead of them. So we will power through Jedi Survivor this summer. I can't think of anything else I've done Star Warsy this week, um, other than like trying to keep up with comics and stuff. But yeah, you're just determined to just flow through your your bank account and to the point where you're, it's, you seem like you're Bruce's millions, except with you have to spend all your money on Star Wars. Stuff instead instead of just have like nothing. Yeah, what's what's the problem? <laughs> nothing. This is this would blow my storage, but this these statues or these life size things would blow my storage budget if such a thing existed. So I'm going to. <laughs> this is going to be like my last last thing for a little bit. I'm not going to do anything else other than like take care of like the 3D printing I'm doing and and um, R2. I've made a lot of progress on R2, too. Um, he's getting getting close. So, close hey, to being gonna, functional. You're going to get to the point where you're, like, panhandling at, like, conventions. Like, like uh, we'll work for Star Wars merch. I'll do anything. And I mean anything. Yeah, I'll be, like, dancing Pete. <laughs> oh, a quarter, he'll be dancing for hours. <laughs> Except, uh... Except you do it for all the, the um, those little uh, chip things that came with the uh, episode one uh, toys. Comtex. Is that what those were? Yeah, those those never really worked. But um, yes, I I have a almost complete collection of Comtex. I'm a sad 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 man. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In other news, water's wet. The sky is blue. Another <laughs> other news. Yeah, do you want to move on to the show? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So before we usually get started, I talk about a member of the cast or crew, but we're talking about the season finale, and the crew is pretty well known to us at this point. There's or the cast is pretty well known to us at this point. There's really nobody in the cast that ha- we haven't talked about before. So I thought we could mention the writer real quick. Um, 
writer is named Jennifer Corbett. Um, and she's written for Star Wars and in, in the Bad Batch and the Resistance and Star Wars Resistance previously. Um, she did. She's basically been a writer on every single episode of Bad Batch since the start, either as a lead writer or consulting writer. She's considered to be one of the lead writers of the whole series. Good for her. Her original Star Wars debut was in Resistance, where she wrote three episodes. All right, she wrote Rendezvous Point, The New World, and Rebuilding the Resistance. And Rebuilding the Resistance, I know you haven't watched all of it, but that's actually a, a pretty good arc in that, that series. Um, that's that's a sum of her Star Wars credits. Previously, she wrote for Breakout Kings, which was a series in the early 2010s that I was not familiar with. But she was a staff writer and teleplay developer for NCIS for 21 whole episodes. And so this was her sort of bread and butterness of her career and where she came from. So I don't know if you ever watched NCIS, but I think you did. Uh, I've I've seen Law and Order and I've seen CSI. So I've and I and I've seen JAG. So I I'm pretty sure I can catch the gist of NCIS. Yeah, none of those have have enough Dan Harmon in them for my tastes. <laughs> yeah, um, but yes, that is the gist of it. So this is sort of her her foray into writing. Um, she is now a Star Wars writer, and one of the reasons why we have Bad Batch. So thank you, Jennifer, and I really enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you guys get what you need with the strike because. Uh, Little timestamp here. There is a writer strike going on. Yeah, good call. Presumably, she's a part of this writer strike currently. She's not a filthy scab. Yeah, I. I'm, well, yeah. I mean, she's she's a senior writer on these shows, so presumably she's. Don't know for a fact, but I would assume that she's standing with the writers for these shows, since that writer strike is pretty omnipresent right now. Mm-hmm. Um, any questions about Jennifer? No. All right. So. Um, let's move on to the show then. Um, so this is a continuation of the previous two episodes. The last episode sort of left it on a cliffhanger with them trying to escape from, um, the Raven's Nest, Raven's Roost, whatever, um, uh, on the gondola system. So the show opens up, the Raven's Roost is burning, there's black smoke rising into the sky. It's very, looks much like, very much like a painting. The whole thing is just burning. The Bad Batch are on on a car in the gondola funicular system. It's They're actually funicular. Funicular, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so much smarter than me. I've got to get a little digs in what I can. Funicular, yeah. I you can see in the notes that it was it was autocorrected to vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> So they're on the gondola, funicular. Um, they open the doors, and the tech says, and they're looking out basically over this huge drop. And tech says this is not ideal. Record says that it's good they're not hanging from the car like they arrived. And Hunter says they're not in a good situation regardless. Um, Echo reports that they can't move forward. There's a power interruption, and Hunt, Hunter and Tech go on top of the car to address the problem. Everyone else returns fire to the troopers attacking them. I want to, I want to stop here for a second because this first act of this episode takes place on this car. And Mm -hmm. I want, I want to spend some time describing in great detail where they are. So shit Creek, that's where they are. Yeah. Yeah. But they're sort of in this, they're sort of in this, in this tram system that's hanging from this track. And so the track is basically above them. Yeah. And the thing it's, is, both that and, and the like, the wheels are like interacting with the track above them. Right? Yeah, and mm-hmm, yeah, kind of like um, the ski lift or gondola, I guess. And there's the, the the interesting about it is it's there's actually two parts. It's actually like two train cars put together with kind of a flexible section in the middle. Right, and there's and so and so when I say like they go on top, they're trying to get to the track. And there's two, like you said, there's two separate cars for the whole thing. And so you can be in, you can discreetly be in either one, right? So you're either in the front car or the back car. And that's important. That's actually very important. Um, And the wheels for this whole thing are like these sprockets that sort of like wheels with teeth on them. 
and as the wheels turn, it sort of engages this track and moves this whole system forward. And so there's basically two tracks. One is coming to and one is going from this raven's nest compound. Um, and they're trying to get away, but there was a another car of troopers that was coming toward on the other track, and they're sort of exchanging fire. They're maybe maybe like 20 yards apart. They keep shooting at each other. Is that, is that sort of cleared up? The yeah. Description? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... That being said, Tech goes on top of the car, and they're taking constant fire from this other car, this other, like, tram gondola thing. He works his way up onto the track on top of the car, where he can work his way back outside of the car along the track to a power station. So Tech is completely separated from the car at this point. He jumps over and jacks into the power station, trying to restore <laughs> power to the he, car. He he does what? He jacks in. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I'll put that in for you. <laughs> so, so in between these two cars, one car is full of stormtroopers, and they are stormtroopers. They're not clone troopers. And we'll make that distinction because they're clone troopers later in the episode. And, and the Bad Batch, they're trading fire, and every once in a while, a stormtrooper gets shot and falls out of the car. Um, back to the summit that was happening between Krennic, Hemlock, um, Tarkin, and others. Um, an officer confirms that there were six explosions inside the Raven's Nest. Um, a trooper reports that there are insurgents trapped on the rail line. Tarkin orders air support to destroy them, even though it puts their own troops at risk. There was actually this great moment in the scene where Hemlock and Tarkin, or like Hemlock is observing Tarkin and like sees how ruthless he is and how they make a real point of zooming in on um, Himlock in this moment. So I think Himlock is learning how to be a real asshole from Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the car, Hunter says there are three ships inbound. Omega says she can't see them due to the heavy cloud cover. And Hunter yells for Tech to restore the power. Um, at this point, the V-Wings are visible and they fire on the car. The car takes some initial damage. Tech finishes the power up and radios Echo. The car is back online. Um, the V-Wings are, are coming back around um, for another pass, and they damage the car further, but Hunter shoots one of the V-Wings and it crashes into another one, so two out of the three are destroyed. The third hits the connection between the two cars, who said that there are two cars connected, and the track, and Tech falls, as he's, this happens as Tech is getting back to the car. Um, Tech falls on top of the car as it detaches from the track, he falls, but he is tethered by cable. Um, so now Tech is sort of dangling beneath the whole apparatus. And one of the cars is partially detached from the track. So Record tells Tech to hurry. Um, Tech reports that he's climbing as fast as he can. Um, and the even though the car has power restored to it, they can't move because half of the car is detached from the track. And as it's, as it's falling, slow motion falling, it's sort of pulling the whole track whole car off of the track yeah it's like they can't um it can't get traction uh onto the um the um the cable or rope or whatever you would want to call it because it's it's being pulled uh the the end because uh, like each car has its own little arm and connector to the to the the cable and the back car the one that Tech was on is completely off, so it's pulling the other one. Um, it's like they, there's like motors in it that that, are, that spin, but they're they're just spinning. They they don't have anything to catch traction on. Right. It's like it's like the sprockets I talked about earlier. Like the teeth on the wheels can't grab enough of the track to push it forward. It just keeps skipping, and and they don't have enough traction, I guess, or enough like torque. To, to actually generate forward momentum. So they're in, a ba- they're in a bad place. Yeah. So Record tells Tech to hurry. He reports he's climbing as fast as I can. Um, yeah. Hunter orders Record to get Tech on board. Record moves toward the end of the car and it shifts. Tech says not to move any further. And the firefight with this other car continues even more. Um, now more ships are showing up. Hit, and hit the car. It just further down. Tech says to sever the two cars now. 
Wrecker says he can't do that until he's on board. Tex says there's no time. He invokes the term Plan 99. He says it's the only way. Wrecker tells Tech not to do it. Tech replies, when have we ever followed orders? And he shoots the connection between the two cars, completely severing the two. Tech and the damaged car fall to the cloud, fall into the clouds below. The remaining car with the Bad Batch aboard shoots forward. Um, Omega's upset that they're leaving Tech behind, but she is restrained. So, you want to pause here for a second and talk about this? Yeah, I... Th- this is where, like, I should have seen this coming. Because um, I thought they were just trying to round Tech out. But no, they were trying to get us to care to care when he died versus just, like, season one he died. We'd be like, hmm. Anyways. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so Moving on. Yeah. Uh, this was this was heartbreaking. A bit, so I watched, he, go ahead. It's just heartbreaking because he was becoming an interesting character. They were fleshing him out more. He wasn't, he's just, uh, he's very logical thinking and he can't see certain things that are in front of him that would not be considered logical, much like Spock. Right, he's definitely like the Spock or Data character in the group. Um, Yeah, so I I watched this three times today, doing notes and just research. And the first time I watched it, I was shocked at how quickly his death comes in this episode. It's not even like a quarter of the way through the episode and they kill Tech. It's like, oh, like you really you really want to hook us. And I had forgotten, honestly, I had forgotten like all of the shit they go through the rest of the episode. And I thought like the episode must have ended with like Tech dying and them crashing this car, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a logical place to end it. But no, they they had a lot more shit they had to like shovel on people before they got to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah. This is definitely a, uh, I just call it like a misery machine episode, where it's just like, oh, you think, you think that was bad? Check this out. Right, and so the, their like starting point is like, oh, we killed, we killed this character we made you care about. Um, how could we possibly make this worse? Oh, you buckle in. <laughs> yeah, it gets hold, way yeah. way worse. Yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> Yeah, hold my beer. All right, so the so so now the car is moving on the track. I don't know if it's moving too fast because it's half a car now, or it's lost one of his cars. Yeah, Tech was a real fat. He was he looked skinny, but he weighed a ton. Right, um, but the car is going too fast and it crashes into the barrier at the end of the track, and the show just cuts to black. You see the car is destroyed. Omega's hurt laying on the ground. The other red, the other Bad Batch members survive the crash. Omega calls for tech and passes out. You see the next couple of minutes from Omega's point of view. Hunter and Echo, Hunter, Echo, and Wrecker are all taking fire. They're trying to escape to the Marauder. They make it aboard. It's, it's cutting in and out. Like, the audio is cutting in and out. The visuals are cutting in and out. And they say that they're going to head to Ord Mantell. Sid can help them. So this is similar to a previous episode where I think Hunter's vision was cutting in and out. Is that right? Um, Hunter gets shot, and they're, like, yeah, trying to get him yeah. on board the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, I was trying to think. That's okay. Yeah, that, that's, that seems right. Um, so the next thing we see is Omega wakes up and she's in Sid's bar with Hunter beside her and AC1 is with them, the little medical droid. Mm-hmm. Wrecker comes in and is happy she is fine and survived. Wrecker, or Hunter asks her what she remembers. Omega remembers Tech dying. She is upset and says they have to go back. They can't just leave him there. Hunter tries to comfort her, but she's in denial about Tech. Hunter and Wrecker are comforting it is of little. It is of little help. Why did Tech do that? He didn't let us save him. This is Omega, sort of hemming and hawing about the whole situation. Hunter says Tech knew what he was doing. He sacrificed. He sacrificed himself for them, and they won't let it go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, sounds like Omega needs to take the uh, Kobayashi Maru test. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Learn how to deal with a no-win situation. 
She needs to send Jordy LaForge to his death in the uh, leaking reactor core. <laughs> That's not exactly the Kobayashi Maru, but it is uh, Deanna Troy's um, senior management training video. The holiday <laughs> simulation she has to go through. She has to kill Jordy in order to pass it. <laughs> like, like, good news. Star Trek Next Generation agrees that upper management is psychopaths. <laughs> Use people as disposable entities. Um, all right. So Hunter says it's time um, to put being soldiers behind them, and that they should all head to Pebu and live out their lives. They'll figure out everything else later. Hunter asks if that's what Omega wants. She sort of nods, and Hunter says that's what they will do. In the bar... Sid is talking with Wrecker. She gives him a drink on the house. Sid, sh- Sid says she's sorry about Tech. She always liked him. She calls him Goggles. Sid seems nervous. Um, Echo is on a ship, or Echo is on the ship, and Gonky comes up to him with the message. Echo goes outside and he sees a cruiser above the city. He tries to call to warn the Bad Batch, but the comms are being jammed. He heads off to, Sid, to Sid's bar to warn the Batch. Um, so this is sort of the betrayal. Yeah, yeah, they've they've been kind of hinting at it for a while, and now, you know, now it's finally come. Yeah, here's the payoff for all of this. Yeah, is Sid a bad person? Thing in the bar, Wrecker asks Sid why she's acting strange. She said she had to make the best of a bad situation, and then the Empire raids their bar and stuns Wrecker. Hunter sends Omega. Hunter is sensing this. He sends Omega and AZ into the tunnels and tells them to go out to the spaceport and find Echo. Hunter will go back for Wrecker. In the tunnels, Omega immediately tells AZ-1 that she's disobeying this order and goes back and decides to go back for Hunter and Wrecker. In the bar, Hunter confronts the Empire. This is actually just a bunch of ARC troopers and Hemlock. Um, Hemlock is there, and he has Wrecker and Binders. Hemlock thanks Sid very publicly um, as the ARC troopers fill the bar. Mm-hmm. AZ-1 tells Omega he does not agree with her current course of action. Um, then cut back to Hemlock. Hemlock tells Hunter to lower his blaster and turn over Omega. Hemlock will spare his life if he turns over Omega. And Hunter says Omega isn't going anywhere with Hemlock. And then Hemlock has this weird psychopathic rant about how he's surprised that clones can care about other people. Um I don't know what, what the origin of this thought is, but it's pretty revealing about Hemlock himself, I think. Right, yeah. I like, like, oh, these things are sentient beings? Like, this might, get, this might set my uh, research back a little. Right. Hemlock then turns the knife in Hunter a little bit by bringing up Tech, and he pulls out a broken pair of visors that look like Tech's with shattered lenses and throws them at Hunter's feet, saying that, that's all they could recover from the crash was a broken pair of glasses hmm. leading to all sorts of speculation that tech is not actually dead. Right. Yeah. Cause unless you see them dead in star Wars, they're not usually dead. They're only dead as long as Filoni needs them to be. Yeah. Right? Um, him, Hemlock taunts Hunter and says that they, if he doesn't lower his blaster, he will end up like tech Hunter acquiesces here and lowers his blaster and is taken by the arc troopers. An ARC trooper comes back to report and says Omega isn't in the office. Then Hunter turns Hemlock's taunt back on him and says she's long gone and not going anywhere with him. Not too far away, (laughs) Omega and AZ are on the roof um, overlooking the bar. Omega tells AZ to go find Echo, and she's going to stall them um, to help recover Hunter and Wrecker. As the ARC troopers lead out... The two clones, or the Bad Batch, um, she fires on them with her bow. Hemlock orders everyone to lower their weapons, and he offers an exchange to Omega. If she comes with Hemlock, he will release the others. Hemlock tells her that Nalase wants her help, that she is alive and well. There's this nice little back and forth where Hunter reminds Omega that they killed all the Kaminoans, and Hemlock is very happy to tell, tell the truth in this moment and says, no, we have Nala say at my facility. Um, so Omega refuses to go, but during this sort of conversation, 
She is stunned by an ARC trooper and taken into custody. So now they have everybody. Um, AZ makes it back to Echo. Do you have any comment about this little battle and exchange? No, no, I don't. It's There's a lot going on. It was a lot to make notes for this this episode. And I was like, I don't know what I want to talk about exactly because there's a ton that just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get through we'll get through the next section here. Yeah. Echo and AZ are working their way back through the city. Um, there are stormtroopers everywhere. They have taken control. Or there's all these walkers walking around the city too. Um, so Echo and AZ take control of one of the walkers and fight back. Um, Hunter and Wrecker use this distraction to disable their captors. They've been separated by this point from Omega. And so basically Hunter and Echo or Hunter and Wrecker have been told they're being sent back to Ariadu, presumably to answer for the attack on the Raven's Roost or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Omega's with Hemlock to take her back to Tantus. Um, so Hemlock has Omega and he takes her aboard a transport ship. Um, the walker that Echo has taken crashes. It's actually shot down. Um, and he meets up with Wrecker and Hunter. They say that they have to stop the shuttle with Omega on it. And they're basically in a firefight all the way to the port. Um, they watch a Lambda-class shuttle take off. And Hunter orders everyone to the Marauder. With ARC troopers in pursuit, they fight their way to the ship. Um, by the time they get into orbit and jump into hyperspace, they say that they lost Hemlock's ship. And there's no way to track it. And so Omega is now with Hemlock. He could be anywhere in the galaxy. Hunter says that they will that they're going to get her back, and they won't stop until they do. So a new mission for Bad Batch, or the three of them remaining at this point. Yeah. Um, they're going to get Omega back. Anything before we hit Tantus? No, no, this was, I wasn't expecting this to happen, but, um, I guess it did, it did, so I was just like, this episode just was full of surprises for me. The fact that it ended with Omega captured, well, getting ahead of myself, but yeah. Um, I mean, she's captured at this point. You you weren't expecting Omega to have to go with Hemlock, you mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's possibly, it's quite possibly the worst outcome for the team, right? They have no idea why they want Omega, right? And they've, they've enjoyed this weird level of anonymity so far, like, especially for this season where they're not constantly running from the empire with like a direct target on their back. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just more like, like when they cross them and they try to steal like Dooku's gold, right? They get in. They run afoul of the Empire, but most of the time they're just, like, doing nothing. And only fighting the Empire when, like, they accidentally stumble upon their cloning vessel. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Empire's hunting them like Season 1. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Do they still, officially, are they still listed as dead? Right, right. At this point they might be, but but obviously, like, like um, Hamlock knows they're alive because he wants to find them. All right, so the rest of the episode takes place on Mount, Mount Tantus, or in Mount Tantus. So the shuttle lands, and Omega is escorted to meet Nalase on the deck. Omega immediately asks, why is she there? No one answers her, and Emery takes her away. Hemlock tells Nalase that he went and got Omega as a gift for her, and maybe now she'll start working on their project. Nalase says, what the Emperor wants is impossible. Himlock says, now Omega will suffer for Nalase's failures. So she's like the proxy. Like, like you don't care about yourself, I'll kill everybody you love, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. In the base, Omega sees Crosshair. He's unconscious on some sort of medical bed. Emery says that she must be Omega. Omega challenges Emery briefly. And then demands to talk to Nalase. Emery says it's strange she trusts the Keminoan more than her. After all, Emery is Omega's sister. Yeah. The end. The end. Yeah. That was a that was a that was a bummer episode. I, I wasn't expecting them to end end on the cliffhanger. Well, multiple cliffhangers. Um, it's like who the hell is Emery? Is she another off the books clone? Yeah, it's it's the perfect for me. It's like a perfect kind of cliffhanger, honestly. It's not knowing um, pretty much anything about their tech, about their their 
ability to clone. Um, did they make a second Omega, like a second female version of Jango Fett, but give her accelerated aging? Is this some weird off the books clone? Yeah. Some sort of like splice. And so she's like the clone of two people like yeah. a baby would be, or who knows? Yeah. Jango Fett's long lost sister. There it is. Right. It, it, like they've they've left it vague enough, which is smart, that they can explain it away with just about anything. Mm-hmm. Right? They could even kill this character and no one would bat an eye, except for an asshole like me. I don't know. It's 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 a very it's a very good cliffhanger. Omega, like I think I, I described it in a previous episode. This is our Empire Strikes Back of our trilogy of Bad Batch seasons. Mm-hmm. This is this is the bad news one. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, now we have to wait. Well, it's going to be over a year now because of the strike, but we have to wait a super long time for the um, next season to come out to find out what actually happened, what's what's going on. Yeah, so what is your overall... I didn't even ask you if you liked it, so why don't you, why don't you start there. Did you like this episode? I did. I liked it a lot. It, um, it There wasn't a lot of like like Star Wars-y stuff that I loved, that I normally like love about Star Wars, but there was just... A lot of just like twists and turns and like ending in a bummer, which as much as I hate that, I always, I do love a movie or TV show that like will end in a bummer. Um, you just watch all the Breaking Bad, right? So, or <laughs> Better Call Saul. There's not yeah. a single happy ending in that series. No, no, poor Howard Hamlin. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a great episode. It was great. Uh, great. Great season finale, good cliffhanger. Definitely, I'm really excited about the next one to pick, so I can find out what happened. I mean, you? What did you think? I think we've described previously that the last three episodes were sort of a three-parter for the finale. And like I said, I watched this three times today. And the first time I watched it, like tech dies in the first five minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck? I thought that was the <laughs> finale. And then mm-hmm. by the time I was done, I was like... Oh, right, right. They, they, they like twisted the knife so many times in this episode. It is painful to watch. I watched it a bunch of times today. And so by the, by the end, I was just like numb about it. I was like, I was like, all oh, right, everything sucks. Like everybody dies. Got it. Everything's, everything is terrible. Nothing matters. It's, it's like an overwhelming, like an emotionally overwhelming episode at times, just because it's so dire and so cruel like even like like of course Omega goes back to try to save Hunter. She just lost Tech, mm-hmm. right? And and she doesn't have the emotional maturity to like cut her losses when it comes to like people she thinks like like that are in her family that she considers in her family or yeah or like like these are these are the only people she cares about and they're being like whittled down. Of course yeah. she's going to fight back in this moment. Yeah, and not to mention like Hunter almost died in the previous season. Right. And normally I get mildly annoyed when cartoons are what I call like child empowerment stories where it's like all the adults couldn't solve the problem, but like the plucky eight year old could. Yeah. Home alone problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, like, they're not going to let Omega fix this, are they? I was like, oh, no, Omega is overwhelmed because she's a child in a world of adults. And she's just like when they're when he's quote unquote negotiating with her. The actual thing that's happening is a trooper sneaking up behind her so you can shoot her in the back. <laughs> and that 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 alone is like like all right, like you suck. Like this sucks. This is bad. It is perfect in its this level of despair. It is traumatizing to watch these characters that that they've forced you to care about go through this. So it's it's perfect. It's as perfect as a punch in the gut can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for certain. Is there anything you want to talk about before I go on to like trivia stuff about the episode? No, no. I. What do you think about Sid though? Like, let's talk about Sid for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, I was finally glad to get that betrayal over with because it was just just waiting, waiting for it to happen, and then like, well, maybe maybe it won't happen, but no, yeah, like they made they made a big deal out of it multiple times in different episodes, so it was definitely um. Chekhov's betrayal. Yeah, it had to, <laughs> had to be used. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm of the same thought. It's like I was fine. I was fine with however they wanted to handle it, as long as they sort of realized that Sid was a bad deal for them. And it seemed like they they came to that conclusion pretty organically. And then the second they came back to her saying like we need help, she was like, "Oh sure, actually fuck you." <laughs> yeah. And that is wild that that was her choice in that moment. But I guess it was profitable to her. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see her again. And we don't know anything about season three. So would you want Sid to come back? Um, yeah. At the same time, if they don't, they don't. I mean, like, they didn't bring DJ back for uh, episode nine. He's just a scumbag that fucked them over. And then just he's just gone. Finn, let me learn you something big. It's all a machine, partner. Live free. Don't join. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good parallel. So I wouldn't mind if she did, but at the same time, if they didn't, I wouldn't care either. I find her character kind of annoying. All right. Anything else before you want to, before I move on to trivia? Uh, no, no. Okay, I just got a couple couple things for trivia today. Um, not a whole lot. But the walkers are the ATAC walkers that you see in Rebels later. So I like that. I like that. That is being like put forward. Um, and this is Sid's first episode since Faster. She's been absent for almost half a season. One of the signs when they go back to Ord Mantell in um, Arabesh reads, Buffo's Blurg Burgers, the best <laughs> burgers in town. They're um, in, in the first um, the first level of Jedi Survivor. You're in the lower levels of Coruscant, and there are tons of ads just like that. For burgers? No, just for food. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned previously that you're wasting a lot of time translating. I would get lost. Yeah, no, it's uh, at a certain point I just have to stop because it stretches the game out, but it's not as fun. All right, the last piece of trivia is that season one ends with the shuttle showing up to Tantus, delivering Nala Say there, and season two ends with the shuttle showing up to Tantus, delivering Omega there. Um, so there's some nice mm, symmetry. Yeah. Nice symmetry of the two seasons. Um, I don't have a whole lot of other trivia. This was a very, it was a very heavy episode, but it was sort of light in um, content in a very specific way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like they had one story to tell. A lot of times, a lot of times in a car- even in the cartoons, there's like an A plot and a B plot happening. Today it was all A, and it was very linear. Like yeah, linear in telling and everything. So it was very simple, but you couldn't have done more in an episode than they did. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of callbacks, not a lot of references, not a lot of extra material, but you can get the best blurgers in town right next to Sid's. Yeah. Um, I, and there's and nice, I, nice symmetry in the storytelling. Sorry. And I, I love that. Sorry, I didn't bring it up before, but that the line that like, like um, Tarkin's pissed. And oh he yeah. Wants to get, he wants to get you mean like they jumped up and down on his couch with with his shoes on. They like burned down his uh, in his shed. They or they they did something. They they stole his car and trashed it or something. So he's just he is just like pissed. He's like the kind of person that will hold a grudge and make you so you make you uh, make you pay yeah, for exactly. ever, ever thinking about crossing him. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a lot of sort of shooting around his mood. And so when he scowls, they sort of like zoom in on the top half of his head to like almost cut off his mouth because it's just like, like just trying to give you the intensity of his eyes um, yeah, Tarkin is a perfect villain for this episode, and only cool. in it, only in it for a line. Yeah, and he's still he's still the perfect villain. Yeah, he's still menacing. Episode. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, do you want to read the episode now? Yeah, go ahead and set it up. Okay, so now's the time where we rate an episode. We rate episodes by giving them a Star Wars character. So, for example, a really great episode would be an original trilogy character such as Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A um, a really bad one would just be a, a worthless character who uh, either is just completely worthless 
or useless. Like if they just cease to exist in Star Wars, stars would keep on chucking away um, <clears throat> without skipping a beat. So, like, um, thinking about like the the chicks in the bar in Episode Two who are checking Anakin out. Yeah, they could, yeah, they could go away and nobody gives a shit. The Outlander so, bar. That bar, bar is called the Outlander. Hmm. Okay. And so, Ahmed Best is in that bar. Oh yeah. Yeah, he plays a character um, who's who has the same last name as Keller and Beck. Um, in that bar. Really. Yep. That's that's the origin of Keller and Beck. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, what do you give this episode? Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this episode a Cad Bane. Oh, I don't know if I've used Cad Bane before. I probably have. He's just a super versatile, super evil character that when he shows up, nothing good's going to happen to the characters you care about up until the second Boba Fett kills him. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever Cad Bane's on screen, there's just pure chaos going to happen next. And it's just going to end up bad for everybody you care about. So Cad Bane from me. Um, I, I can't describe it better than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a Mon Mothma. I think I've used Mon Mothma in the past uh, because the Mon, uh, Mon Mothma from Andor, because there's this over, there's this overwhelming sense of dread that because you know that at a certain point she either gets burned uh, and she has to flee for her life or something happens. So it's just I, I felt through the season it's like I, I loved her episodes and but at the same time there's just this is like oh it's just like you're playing with fire man what do you do don't do this i know how obviously i know how everything turns out and it turns out okay for her but just just this um just that sense of dread that, that something's gonna happen something's gonna happen something bad's gonna happen and in this case something bad did happen omega was captured Hunt tech dies and sid sid betrays them right I was trying to look up the name of the thing that sends her into hiding because it's it's well known. It was it was in Rebels and it was referenced in Andor already. I, I didn't realize that there was a um, th- that uh, there was uh, something that uh, that was kind of like the, the the thing that forced her to leave. There is a specific event. I'm gonna Gorman massacre. So. So in Rebels, in the Rebels episode Seeker Cargo, she refers to an incident called the Gorman Massacre that takes place in 2 BBY, in which troops of the Galactic Empire slaughter, slaughter peaceful protesters on the planet Gorman. Um, hmm, Gorman, and, another uh, another uh, uh, um, alien name. Yeah. Um, and the survivors of the massacre end up joining Sagrera's partisans. Um and so on and so on. And in the show Andor, season one of Andor, she refers to the Gorman protests. And when they're doing the seating chart for the for the dinner party with her idiot husband, mm-hmm. um, she makes mention that she can't be seated next to somebody because of the way they recently voted on relief for the Gorman sector. Ah, and so they're okay. set, they're setting this up that that this is like a, an issue that she's vocal about, and so something and Andor is five BBY, and so this hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. This massacre hasn't happened, but it's ramping up. That in a couple of years, from her from her point of view, she ends up saying something about this Gorman massacre, and that's what drives her into hiding. Anyway, I love I love your pick. Great character, great moment, absolutely perfect. Um. Is there anything else about rating you want to talk about? No, no, I think we're uh, we are done, and we are done with rebels. With Bad Batch. Shut up. Sorry. Wait a second. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you want to take it fresh? So I could beat the shit out of you. <laughs> we're done with Bad Batch season two. Yeah. All right. Like I said, rebels. Like you said, rebels. Um, so I think what the next thing we're going to do um, from a show point of view is we're going to do a wrap-up of, se- of, of the whole season. Just do a quick retrospective of all 16 episodes, what we thought about them, uh, what was good, what was bad, um, and how it sort of fits together as a story. 
and then we talked about doing a Mando wrap-up as well, and then we'll probably return to Clone Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a plan to me. All right, so next week will be the Season 2 of Bad Batch wrap-up, and then we'll discuss future shows after that one. Yeah. Um, anything else? No. Uh, once again, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Be sure to give us the highest rating on your podcast aggregator. Uh, tell a friend. Uh, write about us on your social medias in between your uh, pictures of whatever you ate and your rants about the government. And um, if you didn't like us, go ahead and uh, tell somebody you hate about us or um, post how much you hate us on social media. Um, that could probably drive up some uh, downloads for us. Just make so, sure you tag thanks. us. Tag us yes. in those hate posts. Yeah. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at moochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da